0: One of the, the the awesome things about Fusion, from a uh, kind of a, a software standpoint, is that it is cloud cloud based. So you will see that some of the menus are changing, as most of your users of most of our users are, are noticing, from time to time. But the basics are still the same.
1: Welcome to the Think It, Make It podcast with your host, Eric Royer, all about turning your ideas into reality with a CNC router, tips, and tricks, new products, interviews, and much, much more. This just got exciting. Whether you're using a CNC for business or hobby, we have great stuff in store for you. Okay, everybody. Well, today I have a special guest on the podcast. I have Mr. Lars Christensen from Autodesk with me today. Lars, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on, Eric.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to come and, uh, and chat with me today. Uh, I've been excited to talk with you. I know you're a very busy guy um, between making videos and uh, everything else that you're doing, so I appreciate you uh, carving out some time. Absolutely. So, for those of you who don't know who Lars is, um, well, I find that hard to believe, especially if you're you're into CNC, uh, CAM, and CAD, and, and you're you're familiar with Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty program, because his videos are all over YouTube. And uh, frankly, I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos trying to learn Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty, uh, and Lars's videos are by far my uh, my favorite. Um, I think I've done just about every project, uh, that, that you've ever had. And, uh, I, I, know how to make a, uh, electrical box and it came out good, but I have no way how, no idea how to machine it. <laughs> <laughs> and I made a magnifying glass, which came out just like yours, but I have, uh, again, no real way to machine that either.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. I appreciate everybody who takes the time to, uh, to watch the videos for sure. That's awesome. So how long have you been with Autodesk? I have been with Autodesk for five years now. Okay. And what did you do before that? So before I came to Autodesk, I was uh, part of the SolidWorks uh, reseller channel. Uh, so SolidWorks is a, uh, I guess, a competitor to Autodesk and a competitor to Fusion 360. And I worked in the, in the channel there doing some, some as a application engineer and doing... Uh, Post-sale support using SolidWorks, and then before that, uh, I worked in a manufacturing uh, facility in Rochester, New York, in a machine shop there.
1: Oh, cool! So your your background is a, a machinist.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a mold maker of trade. Um, going back to, uh, um, I'm originally from Denmark. That's where the weird accent and and weird name comes from, and. <laughs> Uh, After high school, I took a uh, took an apprenticeship as a mold maker, and did that for a few years. Moved to, uh, fell in love, and moved to uh, United States, and then uh, continued here in um, in Rochester, New York, doing uh, as a as a mold maker, as a CNC programmer, later as a shop floor supervisor. Um, before I decided not to crawl in and out of CNC machines anymore, mm-hmm. and and start playing with software instead.
1: Oh, That's cool. So what uh, what type of machines did you did you run?
0: So it was it was all uh, traditional CNC, uh, mostly milling machines, a couple of turning machines. So most of it was 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 mills from from small kind of. Sh- you know, tool room uh, mills up to we had a uh, we had a Matsura. What is a Japanese machine tool? It had uh, just to give perspective. It had 11 pallets on it. Wow! Uh, and it had about 219 tools in the tool changer. So there was a, a pretty big machine.
1: Oh, that's that's yeah. That sounds that's definitely a lot bigger than some of the desktop type CNC stuff we use today. Um, in our, in our world. So you, but, but
0: not, but not much harder though. It's, really, you still,
1: gotta, you still gotta go through the
0: same process of of figuring out how you're gonna hold on to the part, and you gotta figure on where you're gonna pick it up, and make sure your tool is sticking out long enough of the tool holder, and you know, doing all those uh, all those tasks that that is easy to forget, and when you do, it's it's horrible. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's for sure.
0: But it's the same thing.
1: Yeah so you you work remotely right you work out of your house
0: yes i I, I lucky enough uh, that I am uh, working out of my my own house what is what is nice i do uh, I do have pants on and a shirt on every day <laughs> I, I don't sit on the couch I have kind of like a little uh, a little office in my in my workshop I, I work out of but yes
1: so now you uh do you do you do a lot of um, cNC machining now like as just as a hobby or on the side or in, in addition to working with the software?
0: So, I mean, I'm lucky enough that I have a, I have a step craft. Um, I think it's an, an 840, um, that I, I, I have some fun with, um, what is really cool because you can do a lot of different things with it, not just, just milling. Um, but I think as, as most people, um, you know, you get busy doing, doing your work day and then, uh, I have I have a family and, and kids and things like that, so I don't I don't get to do it as much as I would like. But yeah, I enjoy every time I get an opportunity.
1: Yeah, I know that feeling. That's for sure. <laughs> it's uh, everybody says, oh well, you know, you run you run the company, you must be uh, using CNC machines every day, and it's it's a it's a privilege when I get a chance to, but beyond my normal work duties and stuff, you know.
0: It, it, it's funny how excited you can like. Many times and, and you know, again, I'm lucky that I get to work with, with Cat Software all day. So you so you you model something up or you see something and you're like, Oh, I can't wait till you know, I wanna make this part. And then, you know, <laughs> at some point the wife is telling you that dinner is ready and you didn't get <laughs> to it and
1: you know. Yeah, I, I hear that. Well, in my house it's a little bit different because my wife is a Pinterest fanatic. And I have a honeydew list that is massive with regards to things that she wants me to make on the CNC. <laughs> so if I go use it, I can always my, my thing is, well, hey, you wanted me to make this, you know So that's usually my excuse. but uh, oh,
0: maybe I, maybe I gotta see if I can figure something out about doing that. Yeah, get your wife uh, on
1: Pinterest. you'll be all set. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's odd because I don't even have a machine in my house. So for me to make something that she wants, I, I have to leave and go to the office, which sometimes is inconvenient. But uh, I, I try not to bring work home as much as possible. But there are times where uh, I wish I wish I did. Uh, one project we have together we're working on now is we just finished our family room in the lower level of our house. And she was going to go out to the store and start buying picture frames and Things to decorate and and I said no, absolutely not. I said why don't you just go find some some ideas online and we'll make stuff to decorate the house and we can blog about it and whatnot. And uh, boy, I don't know. I opened up a can of worms with that one. That's
0: for sure. <laughs> but there is something there's something special about in the end having made something that you couldn't buy, right? Like there's something very um, satisfying about that. So yeah, I like
1: that. Yeah, especially when you want to personalize stuff for sure. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to um, to talk with you for many reasons. I mean, I I, I started. Um, so it's no lie. Anybody that listens to podcasts, anybody that knows me. I mean, I've been a long time. Um, promoter and advocator for the vetric line of software with regards to our CNC machines and because it's very user-friendly and, and relatively easy to use. However, lately, and by lately I mean over the last year, uh, we've been doing a lot of um, development of uh, new parts and things we need for like our new Q-series machines and and the a lot of aluminum work and, and I've been turning to Fusion almost exclusively now because from a design aspect uh, it's it's incredible i mean the things that i can do with it and i feel like i'm getting more and more proficient but i'm learning every single time i use it uh, so i've got a lot of customers that we're we're trying to push into that direction too especially you know if somebody wants to do a simple 2d silhouette sign and they're going to make them to sell for craft fairs or something like that or v carving then you know you're probably better off with the vetrix software but i have a lot of customers that make custom things uh, parts or, or products that they, they produce and sell. And, uh, everybody that I've been turning on a fusion has been really, really happy that they, uh, that they've been working with it, that, that they can appreciate what they can do with it. But they, the one common thing is that there is definitely a steep learning curve, uh, for, for a lot of people. And, uh, I, I always turn everybody to your videos because your way of explaining things is uh, you know second to none in terms of being able to understand you know what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, but I think the biggest thing in our world that is the cam. I think that's in the CNC router world. I think the cam is the probably the one thing that scares a lot of people uh, with Fusion. And uh, so I'm I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts as far as uh, utilizing Fusion? For a CNC router, as opposed to like doing complicated machining stuff, where you would do like in a in a CNC milling center.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I I one of the things that I think is 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 awesome about Fusion Three Sixty and that's not because I'm I'm, I'm working at Autodesk per se, is but because somebody higher up than me had decided that uh, you know hobbyists can use it uh, unlimited. Uh, what have what have resulted that that Fusion have ended up in in uh, in a lot more people's hands than than probably was thought of originally. So, I think it's important to remember when it comes to Fusion is for anybody who maybe is not too familiar with it that um, the, the the CAD portion, the drawing portion inside of Fusion, is based on what is called mechanical CAD. Um, and that's something that I've been around since, geez, probably since the, 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 the well, has been since the seventies, eighties, um, but into this 3 D environment since primarily the nineties, um, and really is meant around industrial machinery, so a lot of counter bores, uh, you know, and, and and holes and and blocks and things like that. The cam portion inside of Fusion. Is is actually coming from? I talked about that. I used to work for a SolidWorks reseller. It's actually coming out of a what used to be a SolidWorks plugin uh, called HSM Works. Um, and and fun fact, it was a Danish company. It has nothing to do with, with me being from Denmark. Um, but it was purchased by by Autodesk and was put inside of Fusion 360 primarily because it is. Um, it is, in my opinion, the easiest, if you should say, professional cam tool to use out there. Uh, most of the other cam tools, that, and I'm talking again, like Machine Shop Cat, the cam tools um, can be fairly complex. We also own another one called Power Mill uh, here at Autodesk. And if you ever went into those, you will see that it just takes a lot to, to set those up. So the, the, it's important to know that the cam inside of Fusion is meant for machine shop type of work, though it, it's really trying to set it up to, to be as easy uh, to use as possible. So when you come in doing mm-hmm. doing router work uh, versus maybe um, you know regular machine shop work, where you maybe have you know a hundred thousand dollar CNC machine, you got to program. The steps are fairly much the same, but you you can probably filter things down um, and, and make your life a little bit easier if you take the approach inside of Fusion and say that the 2D environment, so if you ever jump into what is called the manufacture workspace inside of Fusion, that's where we have the CAM tools, there is uh, a couple of different drop downs, And the 2D is probably what, you know, of router people need is in the 2D dropdown. Um, And it really, it probably really goes down into three toolpaths in there. And it's a 2D adaptive clearing, what can be used for roughing, a 2D pocket, and a 2D contour, what you can use for finishing. Um, That's probably you know, if there was somebody sitting across from me right now, it's probably i say, just remember those three toolpaths and you're probably good unless you got to drill, then you want to go on the drilling. Mm-hmm. The 3D toolpaths are really when you're starting to want to make what, you know, we call like swoopy surfaces or, or you know, like if you got to create something that, that has a contour in three dimension to it. Um, but even then, though that it can be it can be pretty difficult when you open it up first and you look at it and you see all these options, it can, it can be a little overwhelming, but again, you're really narrowing it down just to a couple of key toolpaths that probably will give you most of what, what you need.
1: Mm -hmm. Now I had a a couple of uh, listeners and and customers of mine that I I had told that we were, I was going to be talking to you. And so they had a few questions that they wanted me to ask. And one of them is, uh, do you have plans to do some videos of uh, tutorial type videos of, of more simpler uh, things that would be milled in two D on a on a router as opposed to some of the complex uh, things that that you you know you typically talk about? So so <laughs> I,
0: I I have I have a list uh, <laughs> in Evernote of, of video topics and uh, um, it probably has a couple of hundred items. Um, one of those is absolutely uh, to create something around um, taking a router and, and and how to set it up a machine and run it and all that stuff um, so so it's not that I don't have a plan um, but I don't have it, it's not gonna happen uh, probably the, the next while just because i'm I'm in a position that I, 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 I when I started out doing. Well, I started out doing YouTube videos in in, in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. But what really, this fusion uh, aspect of my of my YouTube life started out where I I could dedicate a lot of time to it, and I have I've since changed roles at Autodesk. So now my my YouTube videos is a Sunday kind of project where I sit down for for about an hour and answer some as many questions as I can get through. So. Uh, I would love to create some, uh, but I don't have something scheduled. I do have; there is a couple of of, of videos that actually are fairly basic, uh, beginner. They're getting a little old, but I still think if you were if you were getting into to um, to Fusion Three Sixty uh, for cam aspect, I think you will still um, still like them. If, if you go to my channel, so if you just go to YouTube and you search for for Lars, and Fusion 360, I should come up. And in there, you will find there is different playlists, and there is one of the playlists that probably has, I, I don't know if it has like 9 videos, 15 videos of specifically cam. Mm-hmm. And in there, there is some that is like, that is one that is like an absolute, absolute series, and I think I go through like, kind of the basics, and the, so I still think people will get something out of that.
1: Yeah, the uh, absolute beginner um, playlist, is that the one you're talking about?
0: yeah there should be one that is specifically for uh, for cam okay. uh, that I went through um, it's getting its a couple of years old now but I mean the principles so so one of the, the, the awesome things about fusion from a uh, kind of a, a software standpoint is that it is cloud cloud-based um, so you will see that some of the menus are changing as most of new users of most of our users are, are noticing from time to time, but the basics are still the same. So if somebody goes in and watch that video, I still think you will get a lot out
1: of, out of it. Okay, now you said that your uh, your role within the company has changed, so how, how has that changed over the years?
0: Yeah, so, so when I started at Autodesk, um, I actually started as a CAM technical marketing manager. Um, and what that really meant was that um, the company had just recently, before I joined the company, purchased, like I said before, HSM Works, um, and was putting it into into Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty. Um, but they were also putting the same into Inventor, and of course, they still kept the, and are still keeping the plugin for for SolidWorks. Um, and I was doing all the technical marketing content for that. Um, what meant that if you went to like the website for um, for fusion and you saw some cam videos in there, that would be me who created those videos, um, blog posts and and different things and then I changed over to, I have probably the coolest title I think Uh, you know I hope they don't take it away from me, they probably will at some point but my title is actually technical evangelist (laughs) Um, what what I think is it it doesn't get much better than that Um, but so I joined the technical evangelist team at Autodesk um, what really, as, as the title probably says better than I can, to really just try to go out and, and, and promote and, and share, you know, information and knowledge of the software. And that was when I started doing a daily live stream um, on Fusion Free Sixty. What from pr- pretty much is, is why my channel have have grown to what it where it is today. But then last uh, summer I had the opportunity to change roles so I went back to technical marketing but I now uh, lead the team for technical marketing for our core products what is actually in vendor in vendor cam uh, our data management our simulation our our, we have like all different kind any manufacturing designer manufacturing products besides fusion 360 Mm -hmm. I'm actually not part of that team anymore um but yeah
1: but you still do uh, fusion videos though. I'm, I'm looking at your channel here. You put it out a couple a week. It looks like at least. Yeah. So, so, you know, like
0: um, I, it's hard when, when people, first of all, people are awesome and people are so appreciative of, of, of the videos. And, you know, I really appreciate all the, all the fantastic feedback. Um, I, I appreciate that people will take the time to, to watch them. And, and it, when you when people are emailing you and messaging you on, on Facebook and all these different places asking you questions it's just it's just hard to just ignore it so uh, so like I said now I uh, I spend about I spend about an hour on Sundays um, answering as many questions as I can on on uh, on YouTube and um, and then I chop them up to to smaller segments uh, that I post out through the week
1: mm-hmm. Now the uh, the the other program, Inventor, and when when you get into those programs, that's more. Those are your high end core products for like large machining facilities, right? That's not something that requires as much video support on YouTube,
0: right? So I mean, I would say Inventor is 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 definitely our uh, you know most powerful three D CAD design tool. Um, <clears throat> it's also been around the longest um so that is is what we call kind of like a standalone you need you need a a professional CAD machine to run it uh you know it needs a lot of horsepower but that also means that you can have huge assemblies uh inside of that like i I know i just heard there was a customer in poland who had a 2.7 million part assembly that they opened up inside of Inventor. so i mean like this is Kind of professional wow. type. Now a lot of that stuff is inside of Fusion, so you can do a lot of the same things inside of Fusion. But Fusion is is our is our cloud platform CAD tool. Uh, now, from a actually, what is happening right now that might be interesting to some people is that right now the the CAM portion is the same. So, um, and I would. Me and my my CAM friends within Autodesk will for sure argue that the CAM inside of Fusion is the best part of Fusion, and it's the exact same CAM that you will find inside of Inventor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is identical. So if you know one, you can you will know the other. The menus look a little different, but all the terminology is the same. Um, but we are actually um, continually developing on Fusion. More that we are developing on the vendor from a cam standpoint right now so um we just announced that we are coming out with something that is called the extension for fusion so now you can actually start getting some of the power mill cam tool pad into into fusion um what from a router standpoint um you know maybe it's not like i'm, I'm sure that's not going to make um, you know, most people jump up and down, but from a uh, just a generally continuing to developing on Fusion, it's definitely getting a lot of uh, of attention that way.
1: Now, Fusion um, will support fourth axis work as well, correct?
0: Fusion will will support up to five axis, actually. Okay. So you can have you can have you get to, to some limited extent. Um, so just like in Vendor, uh, definitely has more strong CAD design tools. Uh, Powermill um, has more five-axis tools, but yeah, you you can easily run five-axis inside of uh, inside of Fusion too.
1: Okay, and I, I asked because uh, we have fourth-axis capability for all of our machines, and uh, I've got a lot of customers asking about uh, you know different what, what's available for CAM software out there. That'll support that, and uh, Vectric has some limited uh, support for rotary axis work, but there's some uh, customers that I have that are trying to do some more complex, like a, like say for instance, a a, a tap handle, like for a beer, a beer tap at a bar, uh, where it's a three-dimensional round, you know, contoured um, shape. And, uh, so you would have a roughing and then a, a finishing with a ball nose strategy that that's something that's relatively, I, I don't know if I say relatively easy, but it's capable of being done in fusion without a problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of that kind of stuff comes down to, to the, <laughs> to, to the topic of post-processors. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, will always be, you know, um, this, this dark dungeon, um, you know where you you're thinking about paying some elves, or if you have a good friend who who is a computer geek to help you out. But yeah, I mean the post processors is what drives drives that stuff. Um, and and there are there is definitely you you might even switch into something like mill turn type of post processors to, to do that where you start combining um, you know turning with with uh, with milling also. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because that's something that uh, I I know we want to try to to explore a little bit more here. Uh, So there's
0: a a fantastic website. If you go out and you use Google and you search Autodesk Post Library, uh, you will get a website that gives you um, hundreds of post processors. And also within there, there is actually uh, in the upper right, you will find a couple of tabs where you can either go out to the post forum and ask questions and there's all of those people sitting out there, um, helping with post-processors. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can, you can even go to the, uh, you, you can even hire somebody to help you if you want to, because you can do, you can do so much with a post-processor, um, you know, if, if you if you feel like digging into the code and, and manipulating and do all different kinds of things.
1: Yeah, that's actually something I'm looking now. I see you've got one here for StepGrab. It was just updated 68 days ago. So they added laser uh, milling and milling and uh, tool changer capability too. you must add something to do with that because your machine has a tool changer, correct?
0: It does. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if I have I actually don't know if I have much to do with I actually maybe have to go out and look at that post. Um, um, but yeah, so they update them. our post team are uh, are very active on uh, on all the posts. and it's actually one of those things that I think that I'm, I'm most proud of when it comes to a uh, from an autodesk standpoint. so, um, for anybody who have dealt in, in CNC machining and, 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 and milling and things like that for, for for years know that post processes is always this, like I said, it's a little bit of a, a dark, um, dark owned thing. So many times in the past, um, resellers who sold the software would actually make their money on also selling you a post. So you bought your cam program, but then to run your machine, you had to pay an additional uh, money to get a post processor that fit your machine specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was how the resellers made made money. Um, and And that actually forced a lot of us, like me, who was on the shop floor, to learn how to do our own post modifications because when I worked in the machine shop, that owner was never going to pay extra to get a post for his machines. Right. So he was like, you figure it out. Um, but here there is all these posts and uh, and you can just download them. You can use them. Um, you can modify them. They're completely open source. Um, there is some great content out. Uh, if you Google um, how to modify them, like I said, you can get them to do so so much um, in, in in a post processor. When I used to work at Ridlam, I actually took a, a mill that we bought a CNC machine that had a probe on it. And um, we were running production work. So we had like, um, we did these hydraulic manifolds where there was like 24 parts, I think, on a pallet. And I was able to to take an a CNC milling post, and turn it into an inspection tool, where the probe, would the, the, when I ran this post, it would act like a CMM, where it would go over and it would start inspecting if the holes were in the right location, if they were in the right depth, and, and all this, and all these 24 parts. And that was all done by modifying these posts. Hmm. So so you could do a lot with them if you really, like some people just love going in there and tinker with it. Um, now. One thing I should say that might be helpful for anybody who who, who still listens um, is that an important thing to know about post processors is it's not so much about your machine, it's more about what type of controller you are using. Um, so you will find that, so now, of course, we have the step craft up there, but even if you're listening to this podcast and you have a homemade CNC, what some people bless your heart for for, for, for doing for making your own, it's amazing. Um, that that you will find that the the stepcraft post, the US CNC post, or any of the, many of these posts will fit your homemade CNC because it's not about you know matching up the post with the machine. It's about what type of controller it's using.
1: Right. Right, yeah, because I see you support Mach 3 and UCCNC, and, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, God, you have a lot of them on this page, so that's uh, that's interesting. Um, and, and
0: most of them are actually the same if you go in and look at them. Like, if you if you look at the at, at your post and you looked at a Haas post or you looked at a Fanic post, you will immediately see that they are very close. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I will say, and I, and, and I have made a video – on this um, I, I made a video up on YouTube about what to do when you download your first post processor because you do have to be careful um, you know when you when you run your, the post for the first couple of times and making sure that it is doing everything that you think <laughs> I mean the post will only do what you tell it to but sometimes when it comes to machining, you think you have to hold it one thing and then you're actually learning that yeah it does something
1: else yeah yeah, i completely understand um so i released a video a couple weeks ago it was a a fixture i made a vacuum fixture for a fourth axis because i had these uh, four-sided plastic enclosures that i needed to mill holes on each of the four sides so we were doing it with a manual uh fixture so i'd build one side rotate it 90 degrees run the next file etc until until i finished the box and when um, when I got the fourth axis mounted on our machine, I realized, well, I can make a vacuum fixture to hold the the uh, box to the end of the chuck um, and and then rotate it 90 degrees and run each machining operation in there. So I put that video out and now I've got a, a bunch of people asking me how I did it. And basically how I did it was I made four separate files uh, in 2D, and then I took the G code, opened up a text editor, and I copied and pasted each of the four files into one continuous file. And then I put a line of G code in basically that said uh, you know G0, A, 90 or A 180 to rotate the fixture. And I also had to move the y-axis back out of the way so that when it rotated, I had limited Z height. I didn't want to crash the corner of the box into the tool. So, I did it kind of a long handed way that it wasn't like I pointed and clicked a mouse button and outputted this file. So, the reason I'm asking, I'm telling you that is because is that the t- type of operation that you could program in Fusion where you could, you know, do a positional rotation and then mill each side and have it all be automated that way?
0: Yeah, so you can. I mean, there's, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. With 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 doing it the old-fashioned way and uh, copy-pasting and, and things like that exits, it, it's a good way to uh, you know to kind of get in and understand a little bit better about what's happening in the background when you start looking at code. But yes, you can. So um, you have a couple of couple of different options. Normally, so if you're looking if, if you're inside of Fusion Three Sixty, inside the manufacturer workspace, anybody who's been in there are familiar with that you will always start out with a setup. And in the setup is where we kind of define um, the, the stock. We're defining where our work offset is going to be. So so we're telling the machine where our part is sitting on the table. So our spindle knows where to go. Um, so so you can do that. And, uh, and then if you have multiple setups, you can actually create you can create multiple of these setup folders. so you could have operation one, you can have operation 2, operation 3 as separate folders within the same file. So if you have a, if you have a part that you for example, is going to machine something on the top and then you let's say you don't have a fault access, you just want to flip it over to, the, to, the, to have the bottom up, you will just create another setup that still having the exact same file, but now you just kind of like flip it over, Uh, and you can you can change that in regards to the fourth axis if you have the fourth axis then you can create one setup now what you will find is that when you go in and do a a tool path so for example let's say you do a a facing tool path that might be your first one um, you will see that on the second tab in that dialog box there's something called tool orientation and that will actually override what for that specific tool operation what you had set up in your primary setup folder for your x y and z so if you're post supported this is where you can rotate your fourth axis uh, index it around to get to the to the other sides oh
1: wow okay
0: yeah this is one of these this is one of these things that if you didn't know how the heck would you ever would you ever find out but um, the, the, so originally, when you set up your first setup, that is kind of like for standard parts, where you will define your your Z, your X, and your Y direction. But then inside of each operation, you can overwrite that uh, in the geometry tab. But it's the second tab in there for tool orientation.
1: Okay. Well, now I know what I'm doing this weekend. Uh, I, need, I want. I really want to figure that out because uh, that's uh, it's a really powerful. Uh, uh, machining capability to have, especially on a CNC router, because you know you would expect that you could do stuff like that on a, you know, hundred thousand dollar CNC milling center, but on a couple thousand dollar router, it's it's not something most people think about doing.
0: Yeah, and and it's it's fantastic. So first of all, I mean, uh, like I said before, if you just got to make one part, I have a tendency to kind of like you know, then you just do what you got to do to get it done. The nice thing about having everything inside of your, inside of your CAD CAM software, like Fusion or whatever you're using, of course, is that when you gotta make changes, and and, you know, I don't think I I can recall any parts that I have designed and programmed where I didn't have to go back and make a change at some point, or a customer, uh, that could be your that could be your wife demanded something different. You have to go back and make a change. So having everything Inside of your CAD file makes it a lot easier. So when you do make a change, uh, the toolpath updates and everything uh, kind of updates in that sense. And that goes back to what I started out with saying, um, you know. So with the StepCraft that I have, like the the steps you're doing for setting the StepCraft up and running it are are identical to a hundred thousand dollar CNC machine out there in regards to. Figuring out how you're gonna hold the part, um, you know, what many times for most of us is is is, is trial and error, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and figuring out, you know, where you're gonna pick up the part and and get your feet and speeds right, and and, and how can you, um, you know, how much can you take for step over and things like that. And my I what I have always done. This goes back to to my my days in the shop floor. I've always had a little diary where I would literally mark down um, you know those different things as I'm discovering it, testing it out and things things like that. I think it's, it's super good practice um, you know, if you just bought a brand new router and you're all excited about you know, getting going, most people have a tendency to jump on the most difficult thing that, you know, because that's the thing they want to make, uh, but taking the time to kind of you know, take a scrap piece of wood and try to, you know, experiment and, and things like that is, is, is normally where you're learning the most.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, another thing I want to ask you, because you mentioned uh, you were with SolidWorks uh, uh, a while ago. Um, what how do you compare Fusion to Solid? Like, if, if for instance, I have a lot of customers that are big uh, that, that maybe uh, have a home or a home user now, but they're in their work. Scenario they use uh, solidworks, but they don't obviously don't want to spend the money to buy a license for it for just home use so um, I've never used solidworks uh, What do you think? What's the comparison between? capabilities with fusion and and solidworks
0: so I mean um, I I would say my so not this is where I'm gonna put that. This is my opinion that mm-hmm. my wives not my employers sure uh, possibly but I mean, so, so SolidWorks and Inventor are probably the two that is the easiest to kind of compare apples to apples just because they've been around just about as long. And I would say that they, they are very close, um, going up against one another. Uh, they are about the same price range, I think, and they are about the same capabilities. And it's really just, I mean, to me personally, it's, uh, it's Chevy versus Ford, mm-hmm. right? Like it's. It's kind of it's kind of that thing where um, you know some somebody who's used SolidWorks is gonna say ooh, I like this better and somebody who's used Inventor does like this better. Um, Fusion Fusion has a lot of overlaps with uh, Inventor and SolidWorks. Um, just really just like for example, if you want to go all the way back to to something like AutoCAD has overlap with Inventor and SolidWorks. But so Fusion has a lot of the same kind of ideas. For example, if you're looking at the modeling. Workspace it's still mechanical CAD so you you sketch in a 2D environment and you shoot out to a 3D environment, um, in in that aspect, um, and so so that's that's one thing where they're very somewhat similar in that sense. Now Fusion is different um, on a couple of areas compared to, to, to SolidWorks and Inventor. So first of all, it's it's on our cloud platform, right? So it's runs. So you're storing your files in the cloud and locally, what means that you don't need the big powerful machine to run Fusion 360 as you do for Inventor and SOLIDWORKS. Um, It runs on a Mac. So that's another thing Fusion 360 uh, is doing that the two other ones don't do. And that's really just because that the two other ones were developed in in a you know back in the 90s uh, and early 2000s when macs would never have been used by most <laughs> you know it was just all pc right um, and then f- so so that's the kind of like the big thing is it runs on a mac is utilizing the cloud but then i also think that and i think we will see more and more of this and we already seeing more and more of this is that fusion is also kind of like it it it's taking it's taking the process in a little bit of a different Area so so where inventor and SolarWix are very specific CAD tools. Let's model something up. Let's you know get it in a three D environment things like that. Fusion is also focusing a lot on the make aspect, or the manufacturing aspect. So you have these these CAM tools that have been in here from 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 the beginning, um, and 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 we are developing more. So now you start getting some of these. You get the the the, the uh, Powermill tools in are, are coming in. You're getting some uh, some some metal 3D printing tools uh, are going to be are, are going to be available in there too. Uh, we're utilizing the cloud for compute power. So one of the thing, one of the reasons that you don't need such a powerful computer with Fusion is we can actually utilize the cloud to do mm. computer power. So there's something like generative design that will let you set up your kind of your design parameter and then let you know the, the pow- powers you could never have in a in a in a desktop come up with thousands of, of different design explorations um and and things like that. So so I would say and then of course also the way we replace Fusion three sixty with make it available for hobbyists mm-hmm. and, and hobbyist has all the same all the same functions except uh, a couple of the ones that takes uh, cloud credit so, so generative design there's actually a cost for all of this to, to utilize the cloud for compute power um, but but hobbyist gets all the the, the the out-of-the-box tools that is inside of fusion Um and and if you're making less than a hundred, if your company is making less than a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars as a startup, you can use it for free. So, that's that's the biggest difference.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, I know. Uh, I we're able to open up uh, SolidWorks files in Fusion and edit them. So that's kind of a plus.
0: Yeah, um, and and that's one of the things that that is, is pretty. Really need so so Autodesk has a technology that is called AnyCAD um, that that Fusion has that runs up in the cloud and it really means that instead and, and they keep on developing on it um, it's it's fairly new but in, in the olden days um, if you do um, you know have previous experience with something like SolidWorks or Inventor when you brought in another type of CAD file. It had to go through a translation. Mm-hmm. So, because CAD companies normally don't give all the information with the CAD files, they only let you pretty much kind of get the outer shell. Um, so, what happened in the past was that uh, each CAD system had its own translators, which is really very much like trying to translate, you know, a book from from English to you know Chinese or something like that. Um, so, there was certain times where you brought files in and. There were certain things that didn't come in that wasn't great. But with any cat, you are not translating the files anymore. You are actually looking at that native file. What is what is kind of cool is almost like you have that SOLIDWORKS file or Inventor file, and, and you're literally just opening up and looking at the file but not bringing it in. So, so that is interesting. You know, the you know it's amazing how technology technology just keeps on developing and developing right like um you know who would have thought we could we could order a car via our cell phone 10 years ago yeah
1: right (laughs) yeah it's uh it's 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 extremely powerful software and and like i said every time i use it i'm i'm learning something new uh and you know i i'm constantly referring to uh to your videos uh, to still learn different things. It's funny how the program has so much capability, but uh, I, I wonder in my part if there's some laziness involved where I'm designing something and I'm like, I know there's gotta be a quicker way to do this, but, I don't even know what to call it to search for, you know, the term to even even get a tutorial on it. So I just go ahead and do it this crazy longhand way. And uh, so that's why I make it a point. I notice you have a lot of really good nuggets in all of your videos that maybe I don't need to learn how to design a, a magnifying glass, but you have some instruction in there on some of the tools within the program. That you are very useful even with a simple design down the road, so I, I really, really appreciate all the work you put into these things because it's it's made learning this software much more enjoyable. Yeah, and it, it has been extremely it's
0: been extremely fun to do too because I, honestly, when I started making making CAD videos, what goes back to my SolidWorks days, um, you always were kind of like sitting down and you were thinking about a topic that you wanted to talk about so you wanted to talk about cam or you wanted to talk about surfacing or or modeling and, and when you do that on a piece of paper it doesn't take you long before you kind of run out of topics you can't really can't really think of, of anything to you know you, you get about you know as a human being i think you get to to a threshold of about 16 ideas and then you kind of like you know they start being silly but what I found when I started creating these videos was that people would ask me, you know, what and, and what is fun about the ones I'm doing right now, specifically, where people send me an email and and they say that, hey, I'm trying to do this, and they they include a picture and that's a video, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so so for me starting out, I thought that oh, I'm gonna run out of ideas, and I think. I haven't looked, but I, I I know I have over 400 videos on my channel and 300 of them got to be got to be Fusion 360 and I'm suddenly realizing that that, um, you know, that that I will never run out of things. And what I'm trying to do now is I'm actually trying what people when people send me an email with a question, I'm trying to take that title and put it into the video description because. You know, that just kind of tells me that that was what people were kind of searching, that kind of search term. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like you, your point, you know you're trying to to model up a magnifying glass, but you don't even know what that rim the glass sits in, what is that really called, but I really want to know how to model something up like that or something. So,
1: Right. I was actually going to make a, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a cheat sheet or an infographic that, took terminology that people are used to when they're using software like uh, VCarve Pro and convert that terminology into what you would call it in Fusion 360. For instance, you know, in, in, in VCarve, you would call it a profile, but you have a different term for that cam process in Fusion. Or, you know, you have adaptive clearing, you have pocketing. So there's, it, it, and a lot of people uh, are like, geez, all I want to do is pocket out this hole but it's not really called pocketing, so to speak, in Fusion. So, you know, I was thinking about it's on my to-do list to make some whatever we can do to to make things a little bit simpler for people that may look at Fusion as their first and only CAD CAM software, as a as opposed to moving from another platform over to Fusion.
0: Absolutely, and and that's so. So, one of the things that I, I many times mentioned here at autodesk uh, you know when people are, are asking me why you know i'm i'm, I'm sitting on a sunday asking or uh, answering emails um is that i still remember um it was a saturday it was back when i worked at ritlam i had just talked the owner into buying me a seat of solidworks um and it was a Saturday, and he had given me a project, and I think I had like three weeks to get this project done inside of SolidWorks, and I had to present it to him on the following Monday. And I was sitting this Saturday afternoon. I had clocked out. I was sitting on my own time, and I was so I was so frustrated because I, I what I was trying to do, I didn't know how. Like there was a clear disconnect. Between, you know, the office chair that I was sitting in and the computer screen, I'm trying to, your point, like a pocket of what what, what the heck does the software call this? And right. I, I, I can still remember with tears in my eyes, <laughs> I got in my car and I drove down to Barnes and Nobles and I bought SOLIDWORKS for dummies because I felt like that. I mean, I felt like I had just been beaten up by the software. And and that's why that's why I'm still creating videos, because I remember that it's there's nothing more frustrating I think for 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 a grown up person, uh, you know who who especially if it's a hobby and you're trying to to draw something up in the software you're trying to, you know doing anything I and mean, it could be even freaking trying to transfer money on your on your cell phone <laughs> near your bank app and you can't figure out how to do something or what is called or where to go yeah. um, and that's why that's why I'm doing this and one thing I maybe should also say. To your audience, um, that maybe could be helpful. So, um, if you go to one of my videos and you go down in the description, there is a link to um, the CNC handbook uh, that that people can can download for free. Um, so, so this is I, I think I have probably like fourteen thousand downloads of of this CNC handbook. It's not my my handbook. Um, it was actually written by a, a a cam reseller that used to work for, uh, still, still part of the Autodesk channel. Autodesk bought the rights to this CNC handbook. Um, but you can utilize a lot of those things that is in there. You can utilize also for your router. And not It's all set up around a hard CNC machine. But I mean, like a lot of the terminologies are, are the same. So I would definitely, that's one valuable thing I would say that I maybe could share with your okay. with, with your audience. Um, so link. just go to one of the videos down in the description area. You will find the link to the CNC handbook. It's going to ask you to give you your email address. Right. Um, that email address, I have captured all fourteen thousand of them in the sense that one day I thought. Maybe I could provide a useful newsletter. I have never done it. So you're not going to get any spam okay. from, from that. So so everybody can can do that.
1: That's good to know. I appreciate that. I'll put a link to it as well in the, in the notes for this episode. Um, so, yeah, we're coming up on an hour. I did have one quick other question I, I got to make sure I ask you. So it's, it's involving speeds and feeds. So that's a common... Quick question, as you can imagine, uh, you know, in your experience, too, right? You got an end mill, you got a piece of wood or a piece of metal or, and you want to cut it. What What is the recipe? And um, so we, we started using uh, G Wizard. Are you familiar with that? Yes. OK, so we started using that a while ago. And on our D series machines, like the 840 that you have, it wasn't as critical um, it's it, it, you know it's okay to get close, but now that we have our new Q series machine, so we're working with a much more powerful, much more rigid machine. I'm finding that uh, G Wizard is invaluable in terms of getting the correct uh, you know recipe of feeds and speeds to get success uh, when we're modeling something. And one of the advantages to Fusion, which is why I'm so dedicated to learning it, is there are tool pathing that you can do. With fusion that you can't do in a program like VCarve Pro, uh, such as um, you know trying to maintain a constant chip load, and uh, you know like if you were doing a pocket in in um, in VCarve, you would be doing climb conventional, climb conventional as you're going back and forth, where you can always keep that in a conventional or in a climb pattern in fusion. Uh, so so those are some of the things that you know people don't. I, I guess they don't realize, but what, what is your uh, philosophy on speeds and feeds? Like, how do you go about trying to get the correct uh, setup to, to at least as a starting point when you're doing a job? So,
0: yeah, so, so I don't know if I have, like, the, the golden answer. Like I said, I said earlier, anytime time that I have, and this goes back to my, my early days, one of my mentors taught me to have a little journal next to your machine where you write things in. As you're discovering things, um, and especially, I would say, if you're a hobbyist where you maybe don't get to your to your wood router, you know, every single day. Uh, you know, if you're like me, I can't even remember what I had for dinner last night. <laughs> so I would say the first tip I would say is make sure that you you have a little book where you can write down recipes that works. Um, and and I, I should actually post that on my Facebook page or something. I actually have that that book, you will find that I I never rounded my feet and speeds up or down when I used to work uh, on the shop floor. I was I was straight ahead and just put in the decimals, just almost like a, a doctor when it comes to to doing this kind of thing. So I would definitely recommend keep a little log next to your machine. You write down where something works, Bec- and, and especially because, you know, not only you're coming back in three weeks and can't remember, but you can also start Getting a pattern for, for what works. The other thing that makes it very tricky with feeds and speeds that I think many people many times are not thinking too much about because it sounds like that it should be fairly easy to come up with a recipe um, is that it really depends a lot on how you're holding onto your part and also holding on to your tool. So you need to make sure that your part is clamped down as rigid as possible, right? You can't be flapping around. Right. Um, and, and you have to make sure that your tool, you know, the longer your tool is sticking out of your tool holder, um, you know, that can, that can have effects, effects to it. So that's two things that you really just got to understand. And that is different for every single, not only every single machine, but every single job have different things and that's why feeds and speeds can be hard to uh, to just give give answers when it comes to to starting out with feeds and speeds um you can actually it, it's kind of interesting i have normally and this goes back to my uh, to, to even cutting in steel you know if you're starting out with about a thousand chip load per tooth on the cutter and now i don't want to get too deep into this and if you have right. something like G wizard, or if you're having some of, there's a bunch of great uh, different apps you can download for your phone too, where you can uh, where you can get a lot of, of of this kind of information. But I normally like to start out with a thousand um, chip load on my cutter or per tooth on the cutter, and and that pr- that makes sure that the cutter actually is cutting material and it's not just kind right. of like brushing up against it. Right, and then the the st- Tip number one is to concentrate on the spindle speed. Uh, so how fast your spindle is spinning around, uh, and that will normally show up in in, in the ugly screaming sound <laughs> that most guys who run around have experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if you're, if you're, if your cutter breaks immediately. Uh, then you're probably either running a very high feed rate, not a thousand, or your your spindle is not spinning. Uh, so normally you don't you, you don't just break your cutter. Uh, normally you get like a, a sound from the spindle, and if it's screaming like crazy, uh, you might want to try to lower your your spindle speed, your RPMs, um, and try to find a sound that that doesn't hurt your ears, mm. and then you can start playing with your feed rate so how fast you're traveling over over the part and i tell you what like this goes back to when i was in the shop floor and when the first thing i would always do when i bought a brand spanking new machine and i i did the same thing uh, i've been playing around the same thing with, with the with the table router you know start experimenting just take a take a piece of of cheap wood, and the end mill, and just kind of start dialing it in and finding out with the setup you have what works and what's not working. Um, I think that that's that has been my my go-to. And then another thing that, and I'm I'm, I'm I would imagine that a lot of the listeners here, you know, are looking at, at places like Amazon, uh, you know, a cheaper place to buy their cutters and things like that. But it might if you are running in if you have spent you know, three weeks on some kind of a project because you are going to, no matter what happens, you are going to, uh, to CNC route, that new, uh, you know, bet frame that you have and, and you spent, you know, eight weekends on it and stuff like that. And, and you're still running into issues. If you can get in contact with a, a, a company that sells the cover, whoever that is, uh, call them up and ask them, uh, they will normally give you a good starting point for for feeds and speeds.
1: Yeah, that, uh, we recommend that too. Uh, we do a lot with the tools and Lakeshore Carbide, and you know the 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 good quality tool companies that are out there are gonna give you the data that you need as far as what the recommended chip load and uh, things like that. Where you you buy some of the inexpensive bits on Amazon and you're kind of you have to wing it. You know, there's no no real support there. Uh, so yeah, we run into that a lot. Yeah.
0: I, I totally agree. I mean, like when I started, actually, this goes back to my my Ridlam days. I was just, when I became the shop floor supervisor. Suddenly, I got concerned about spending money, and I decided to go go cheap on on any tooling that that I could get away with, and trying to send. I actually tried to send cutters out to get them reground, so I didn't have to buy new cutters all the time, and and it turned into be, you know, you you're spending. Um, you know, twenty hours to try to save three mm-hmm. dollars, and, and and somebody like to to give a plug in. You said Lake um, Lakeshore Lakesh- Lakeshore Carbide. Um, you know, they are a perfect example uh, of a company where you you buy their cutters and you can call them up and you can say, okay, you know, I I I I try to do this and and I have some issues. And and guess what? If you If they say, all right, do these feats and speeds and these step overs and you then break the the end mill, I will bet you, you know, lunch that they will replace that end mill for you for free, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because, you know, they're giving you. So starting creating those kind of relationships is is a good, good idea, I think.
1: Yeah. My my biggest tip for our customers and, you know, for anybody listening to this is uh, when you're when you're starting to play with um, speeds and feeds and and like I'm learning fusion now, uh, the foam insulation foam board from like Lowe's or Home Depot is like my go-to material because I could cut it to the size of the raw stock I want. I can mount it on the machine. You, you have to really work hard to snap a bit with that. I mean, you're never going to snap a half inch end mill in, in that stuff, but it gives you the ability to experiment with the cam and experiment with you know how you're approaching the material without having to worry about ruining a bit or your machine or or expensive material. So we tend to use that um, a lot. And and I always tell people you know when you're when you're trying this stuff for the for the beginning you know go out and get yourself a two by eight foot sheet of this stuff. you it'll it'll be uh, invaluable in the long run.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because I've actually had this conversation with a couple of people who are hobbyists and, 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 and have their own routers that, you know, if you go out in the professional world, so, so if you, when I used to, 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 be in your train, when you got an, so this is professional people who gets paid, you know, a lot of money, have hundred thousand dollar machines, things like that. When you get a job and you got to make five pieces of something, you always order seven pieces Of material because you know that the first material the first piece probably is not going to be good in the end right um so so it's funny how you know and i get it it's saturday morning and you just want to machine this this piece of of wood for for something before you got to go to your son's baseball game but just understand that in even in the professional environment there is you never expect the first part to, to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You always have a setup piece. And I, I do the same thing. My, my father-in-law uh, is a, a very good uh, woodworker. And, and we, were, we were toying around with, uh, with doing some lettering on the step craft um, in, in some wood. And I was like, yeah, let's just let's get this scrap piece of wood first and, 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 and cut the letters in there and just make sure that everything looks good before we take that one piece that we actually want. Uh, and, and run it. So that's that's a perfect, that's a good advice. Uh, um, and, and yeah, that's a good idea to get some of that foam um, to do some testing on that. I like that.
1: Yeah, I also tell people too uh, as much as I promote using good quality tools when you're getting a machine for the first time, or if you're experimenting with, say, you're switching from V Carve to Fusion, um, that's where I go to those cheap uh, Amazon bits because I know the chance of me breaking one is probably higher than it would be. And I don't want to break a $40, you know, eighth inch end mill when I can get 10 for $10 and break one of those if, if I'm, at, you know, while I'm learning. So I always tell people, you know, go get the cheap bits when you're starting because you're going to break bits. That's just what's going to happen, especially if you're a hobbyist and you're starting out with eighth inch end mills. There, it doesn't take much to snap one, and uh, but once you get comfortable and you know what you're doing, you know how to set your feeds and speeds, you know how to do your tool pathing, uh, then it, it, without a doubt, you have invest. You know you got a a, a three four thousand dollar CNC machine, but you're using a, a two dollar end mill. It doesn't make sense. You know get get a good quality end mill. It's going to last you forever, and you're going to have a lot less headaches because you're going to get a better finish and a better cut quality. Um, but there's a time to make that switch, and that's when you go from, you know not being, you know, being a ranked beginner to being comfortable with your, your recipes that you're making, so to speak, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've always, I've always looked at it like, uh, you know, most, I would imagine most of your listeners is like me, that you like to go out and, uh, and once in a while, and, and if you can get a good steak, you're happy, but you would never, you know, it's not going to take you long before you're throwing out that plastic, you know, knife that, that you have in your hand, right. Oh, or right. the butter knife, like right. you, you do need to get a tool for for the right tool for the right job, um, and, and and so so I think that's a great advice to just say all right, get it the cheaper plastic knife uh, for for the practice in in the soft foam, um, you know, and then when you're when you're ready to upgrade to, to to your finished product to the steak, then get the steak knife, and and, and you should be good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lars. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This definitely uh, was full of a lot of really good information. I'd I'd love to maybe have you back on in a f- few months. I'm sure there's always new stuff to talk about. But I know you're very busy. But I do appreciate uh, you taking the time out today. And I'm sure the listeners of this podcast are are going to be appreciative as well.
0: I I appreciate that you invited me, and you just let me know when you when you want me on the next time. And and to to all the listeners, I really appreciate if you if you listen to this this far i really appreciate you took the time and, and again really have a lot of fun with with creating the, the the content for fusion 360 and um appreciate everybody watching that
1: all right well thank you so much Lars, and uh i'll look forward to i'll put a link to your uh youtube channel and uh that uh, download uh, book you were talking about in the show notes for this episode so uh people can go there to, to get that and i look forward to talking to you again my friend thank you so much Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Think It, Make It podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more great CNC router content.